Hey. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, what are you doing? I'm dizzy. I need a doctor. I'll bring back a doctor. Wendy? I'm gonna go now. Wendy? Yes? You've got a big surprise coming to you. <laughs> oh, fuck. Ross Stewart is injured. Go check it out! Go check it out! Hello and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunland Review Show. I'm not feeling too well, I'm a little bit ropey, so forgive my voice in advance, but basically Sunland's trip to Teesside ended in a narrow defeat as Tony Mowbray suffered his first defeat as Sunland boss at the Riverside. From a Sunland viewpoint, there's plenty of topics for uncomfortable discussion in some ways. Um, but as always, we're going to be here to do it. We've got a returning guest and a regular. First and foremost, we have the lovable, always honest and croaky voice, even croakier than mine, actually, um, voice of Brad Sharp. Brad, how are you, mate? You OK? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Um, been a bit of a long day, considering the time I got home last night after the game. Um, but yeah, I'm not too bad, called considering. Yeah, me too. I'm all right with it, to be honest, but we'll get stuck into it. Plenty to talk about. But um, second of all, we've spent most of these shows saying how much we've missed him. And I'm delighted to confirm he's back in all of his beardy glory. Um, it's the magnificent Dave Lawrence. Dave, lovely to see you, mate, even if I am a little under the weather. How are you, mate? You OK? Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, feeling a bit, uh, feeling a little bit crooked and stuff myself. So there's obviously something going around. I can't, uh, I can't blame the smog. I wasn't there, but uh, yeah, did watch it. We'll get straight into it. I mean, poor, poor, a poor first half performance, Brad, followed by an improved second half display from an, an effort perspective, I guess, but not enough ultimately. Um, and we lost a tease. We had Derby, not Derby, one nil. Um, what did you make of the performance, Brad? Yeah, a bit of a mixed bag, really. Um, like you say, we didn't start great. However, we probably had the best chance of the night through Pritchard. That goes in. Could be a bit of a different story. Um, second half, yes, we did play a little bit better. I thought we controlled the, the play as a whole, but speaking of holes, there was a massive hole left up front. Um, the, now the, the the news that Ross Stewart was out 10 minutes before kickoff, you felt the deflation amongst the crowd. Um, and it was just a massive miss, wasn't he? Uh, we were getting into areas and just no one was there or when we had to go along not with the channels that's where you just expect to see Ross Stewart stretching them beautiful big legs of his but he wasn't there um, for all his efforts Sims he, he can't do that role that's not his type of game um, and I'm going to be quite critical of Sims actually probably since QPR I think he's been quite poor um, and he could do with actually coming out the side but because of our fantastic recruitment that is now not an option because he is the only striker that we've got. He is literally all we have unless we promote one of the 23s or Diallo sits in there. Um, so that is quite worrying that we did have a lot of the ball but didn't create anything really, did we? No, in many ways we didn't. I think I really appreciate you mentioning the four talking points today in the first point there, Brad. Thanks very much. Um, keeping me on my toes there. Thanks, chap. Um, Dave, same sort of question to you, though. Um 
we're talking like the day afterwards, so I think it's a, probably a bit more measured. But um, I'm not bothered that we got beat off Borough. I've got to be honest, Dave. Like, and I know that's a lot of Borough fans listen to it will say that. But I said before, it's to me, it's not like it, I, I don't like getting beat off Redden, so I don't like getting beat off Borough if that makes any sense. But I think there was probably a couple of things in the performance that were concerning, which we'll we'll get into. But ultimately, Dave, how did you feel about the performance? Prepared us, hasn't he? And I think. Any anyone who takes the emotion out of it's going to realise that it's going to be a season of of indifference. I think mm-hmm. we're going to win more than we lose. I think we're going to see some growth within the squad. But yes, there is ultimately parts of it which are lacking, which Brad's already said. Um, but I just think first half, first 10, 15 minutes, Borough probably played it a bit more like a derby. We've tried that. We've tried to like take a step back. We've tried to get on the ball. But the problem is when we were getting on the ball, we were sloppy. The the passes weren't crisp enough. They were lacking. You know, Jack Clark. So he's going to be someone who frustrates and, and delights in equal measure. Hey, I've noticed a couple of people say on Twitter, the one thing you've got to give him is he wanted the ball every time. He did Never not hit. shy away from it. So fair play to him for that. It's uh, especially in what sounded like a decent atmosphere um, from from TV cameras. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, first half, just a little bit sloppy. Second half, better, just didn't look like we'd score, really. And I think that's, you, there's got to be a way of, for, I said, after watching the first 35 minutes, the only real way we're going to score is if we get players to hit the byline and then put the ball across the box. Trying to slide the ball through for Ellis Sims and stuff was just not going to work for me. Um, Playing two number 10s, you've got to get them on the ball, but, it's pointless them picking the ball up on the halfway line. You need them in the final third. So yeah, there was a there was a lot of huff and puff. And I think the thing, if I'm if I'm being brutally honest, I think it just showed that Middlesbrough have been in the championship for years. They've got a little bit more nous. They've got a little bit more physicality stuff like. That. And we let's be honest, Sunderland for for a good few seasons since even back in League One physicality has been our big issue technically very good physically we're probably not the greatest um so listen it was one nil against an established team who people think are going to be in the top six we weren't disgraced we weren't played off the park we weren't frightened of anything yeah bad day at the office move on i think isn't it yeah that, that's exactly how i feel um i mean sort of leaving yesterday went with with Connor um, who I think many people know and got back in the car and it was like oh, well we were never out of it I guess but we were never really in it and I think if you'd said you know the three defeats we'll have in the first eight games or nine games whatever it is would be um, Norwich, Sheffield United and Middlesbrough I wouldn't have been that shocked um, and it would have looked far healthier if we're getting more well, like what we deserved against QPR and Coventry but that's probably a longer conversation, which we will come on to. But, but Brad, I'll, I'll switch back to you. You've kind of made a lot of these points really already, but we've got to kind of discuss it. I mean, it's really hard not to mention like the huge negative. The unfortunate thing about today's show is probably that normally we go positive, positive, negative, positive, and it's like negative, negative, positive, negative, which the way I've wrote it down here. And But Ross Stewart pulling out last minute due to a thigh injury. Um, In all fairness, it doesn't sound good. Like the way that, Tony Mowbray discussed the injury was just like, all right, that's preparing us for something that's not great. Um, and you've seen his face on the Sky cameras, which I watched the highlights back today. You can see his face. He's like, nah, nah, that's that's me thigh done. Um, 
ultimately, if we have to do without them, we have to do without them. Hopefully, it's not for too long. But um, I think it was really evident last night, wasn't it, Brad? How much do we miss Big Ross Stewart just as a player in total, not just his goals? Yeah, uh, massively. I mean, we touched on it a lot last season through that spell he had where he wasn't scoring goals. But how crucial he was to the team itself. He was creating goals or he was creating space for the guys to do their job. And that was so clear last night. We just, every ball down the channel just didn't stick. Whereas Roscoe, he's just here, there and everywhere. Um, and at times I kept, when I was watching it, I was forgetting he was playing. And then when O'Nine was picking them balls in the first half and going long, you look up and go, oh shit, he's not there, is he? And it was, uh, it is quite worrying because we did say last season, uh, sorry to touch back on League One, um, Ross Stewart gets injured, we ain't going up. We've got no one there. I'm afraid now we've got no one there and we're in the next league up. Um, I think Sims was probably brought in as a replacement to Stewart and it's just so happened that he's been playing alongside him. But based on recent performance, I've said it, I, I don't think we're going to get the same output from Ellis Sims. And it just takes that missing out on Nathan Broder, that little bit more bittersweet Bit, bit shitty because this would have been his chance now and it came seven games into the season where he thought he wasn't going to get the games but now he would have had that chance um, and the fact when you look down the team now I think you've got a couple of kids in the 23s who people maybe could look at promoting to the, to the first team but we've seen it in previous years we've had players banging them in for the 23s like Josh Hawks and they've took a step up and it's just not worked so my worry is it Sims and that's it and now touch wood God help us he gets injured in the next couple of weeks where do we go from there um, but Stuart is a massive miss and if it's one game if it's ten games it's it, it's scary um, so yeah let's see where we go yeah I think it's massive and, and um, I've been in the kind of privileged position to have watched Ellis Sims a lot more than um Maybe some people had done. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm the only person that watches Scottish football, but I've seen him a fair amount last year with Hearts, and he he can't play in a one. That's not that's not the way he rules. He he cannot play in a one. Um, he is someone who played up front a lot with Liam Boyce last year. And Liam Boyce is um in terms of height and the way that he plays a bit different to Roscoe, but um similar in some ways. And and I just felt like last night those points when you could see players on the pitch, and I don't want it, this to be like a that's all hammer Ellis Sims because it's like one bad game and a couple of averagey ones beforehand. I think he's a good striker and I was very excited about him coming in. I still am. Um, but you could see certain players being like, oh, not come for that, do this, do that. You could see players getting a bit annoyed at him a little bit at points. I think Pritchard did. And it was just because he wasn't doing what Ross Stewart was doing. Um, I think Ross Stewart's got so much quality. And the one one big point for me with Ross Stewart is um this kind of comes up my next question, which I will, I will sort of throw at Dave, but I'll give maybe my viewpoint beforehand. Ross Stewart's always going to be a miss. No matter what happens and no matter who you're replacing, Ross Stewart's always who you're going to miss. Players, uh, sorry, teams have key players. Teams have players that they really struggle without. If you talk, say, I'm trying to think, was that Kevin De Bruyne out of the Man City team? They're not going to be as good. What they have got is someone who's going to come in and make sure that the machine and the plan that they've got sort of works. And I think... One of the big things for me is obviously he was he was taken out yesterday, Ross Stewart, and he was he was going to be missed anyway. I, I personally think even if you brought like a broadhead in, we might have got beat last night. 
if I'm honest with you. And I think it's still going to be a bit of a worry if your your main striker and your best player, far and wide, um, is taking out the team that close to kickoff. The problem is, and and again, I don't want to go too into the re- recruitment. I don't want to dissect it too much of the transfer window because I think ultimately the time time and on-the-pitch performances will tell us how well this transfer window went. But I think there's a lot of raised concerns through some people that we signed, like Mishu, Diallo, Bart and Benetti. They're, they were exciting, um, but the concerns were that we were still short across the pitch, not just up front. And it may seem like an obvious point, but the sheer fact that we didn't have an ample replacement for Stewart that we could just put in and say, we'll keep the same system. I know he's a different player, but let's just try, let's just try and do what Roscoe does. Where I changed everything and, and Tony Moore said in three minutes and it was a formation change and everything. The way we play is two up front. So I, I guess the pushback here for, for me, Dave, is Stuart and Sims are our front two. That's who we play. We had to change the whole way we played short, at short notice last night. Had we signed a strike on the transfer window of any sort, how much easier does that make the last minute dropout of Ross Stewart in terms of being able to set the team up as opposed to having to completely change everything, Dave? It's a it's a tough one, isn't it? And uh, listen, I'm I'm very cautious with. I know Brad's mentioned that some we've got this we've we've got this segment of fans who who believe that like the answer to everything is just going to get an under twenty three player and bring them in. You, you've got to be careful with them. You don't want to absolutely murder them in terms of confidence and ability if they're just. And and look, if no matter who you'd have called on last night, I think you've just alluded to it to replace Ross Stewart. It was going to be difficult because Ross Stewart, I think we all said it at some point and we all know how much I bang on the drum, but it was very, very clear for me to see that he could play at a higher level than what he was playing last season based on his movement, his overall output into a game. He was always going to stand out like a sore thumb, even at this level. Um, Still part of me thinks he could probably go and do it another division higher as well, uh, personally. A uh, big statement, I know. But it. listen, yeah, that there's feelings, isn't there, within certain things. I think one thing I've picked up on Tony Mowbray as well, it's going to be interesting to see the other two new lads. Fair enough. He's given Diallo a little bit of a chance last night. Not much. Um, but I'm not so sure, and I'm probably going to be proved wrong on Saturday, to be fair. But the other two boys, I'm not sure how close they are to the first team, if I'm honest. I I don't think they're under 23 players. I think they'll train with the first team. But don't be surprised if you see them playing cup games and it takes six months for them to get a game, which... <sighs> Makes you think that you're even lighter then. Because uh, I, I do, just picking up on a few things he said, I, I just don't think he's got the confidence in them. Um, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully they come out and train and every day, practice matches and whatever, and they blow them, a pop, blow them away and, and they're involved. But it looks like, especially if Ross goes out for, for a couple of months, we're going to have to find a new way of playing. Um, or we do what we've done for the last four years and we just play Lugo 9 up front because he's played everywhere else. So we might as well throw him up there. Um, so, yeah, he's he's going to be a huge miss. We we joke on time and time again that it's a Roscoe world and we're all living in it. But unfortunately, I think, yeah, I think we have to admit there's a huge element of truth in it, isn't there? 
just touching on the back of that, Dave, when, you, when you're saying, obviously, these young lads, maybe we'll see them in six months or so. I think, depending on the length of Ross Stewart's timeout now, we are going to change the shape. And I wouldn't surprise to go back to a 4-2-3-1. So now I think Mowbray's hands might be forced to bring these younger lads in, like these Michoud and uh, Barn Burnett. I think you might see them a bit sooner than was originally planned because of the, the, the change in shape and the amount of players that we're going to be using in the midfield. Ultimately, it's going to be, a, if it's a back four, you're going to have your two and then a three behind Sims. So it wouldn't surprise us now that we would see them earlier than Tony Mowbray initially thought he would have to use them, if you would agree with that. I think we will see them. But I just think... And look, I'm, I'm quite excited by like Mishoot and stuff like that. In the same way, I was kind of excited by Diaki and, and Hoffman. Um, but there's every much way that that can work out and, and be very different to the way maybe Diaku and, and um, Hoffman have worked out. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of evidence there to say that that will be right. And I think... It's really hard to articulate because you can't see it in the future. But for me, um, and I think I alluded to it when we talked about Neil a little bit last week. Um, I can't remember which podcast it was on, or even even if it was just the review show. But um, I really like, in principle, I really like the um, recruitment model. I think it makes tons of sense. Young players under the age of 24 that we scouted seem to have some sort of data on that are going to have resale value and are going to make Sunderland a sustainable football club. It's brilliant. Really, really good sort of recruitment plan but if you chuck all your eggs into that basket and don't deviate a little bit that's what worries me a tad um i think what worries me even more is the sheer fact that we just didn't bring in a center forward to when we play two up front um can we afford to change the way we play completely well we're gonna have to i think if ross is out for a while and even if he's not out that long, you're still running that risk that what if Sim gets injured, then you're still gonna have to play with one up front. I mean I'm a bit more confident with Ross up front and say like a Pritchard behind him or something like that. But I think last night, and there's no blame to Tony Mowbray at all. I think his hands are pretty tight. Like there's only so much you can do when your main striker gets injured with eight minutes and you haven't got a striker on the bench. Um he's not in charge of the recruitment, we know that. But I just think it was really short-sighted. And and I was dying to kind of be wrong with it. Because like ultimately, if I'm wrong, something succeed. But I just feel a little bit worried. And then we're talking about changing shape. If we go all back four, who plays at left back? You, you instantly have like an issue there. Because Sergen looked knackered as well last night. And I, I can't see him being fit for at least it's, Saturday. It's probably going to be Elise or nine, isn't it? And you bring Bath and right into the middle. Um but yeah, we, we, the the two positions, mate, that we were crying out for and said that we need reinforcements, we need backup, is the left sided, uh, left back, left side, centre half, and the striker. And within seventy minutes yesterday, both them key players. By the way, Sirkin's probably our second best player this season consistently. Both them now we're looking to be out. We, we've got an international break in a week's time, but that's three games in that week. Um, so. If they're missing for just them three games and one of them comes back just after another one just after that, yes, we're short. And it, it, it just seems like a bit of a, I'm not going to say karma, but I am going to say karma, that the ones that all the fans were screaming out for, the two positions that we said were desperately needed, they're the two now where we looked at it last night and went, oh, fuck, sorry for the language. No, but you we, could just tell, though. Like, I mean, it was like... When, it was when... very Sunderland. Another banter moment of the season already. 
I think in, in many ways, though, as well, like there was people saying this sort of last year, weren't there, with Ross Stewart and saying because of Broadhead Fitness and stuff like that, like got to potentially bring someone in. But last year we could kind of cope on up front um, and Ross didn't get injured this year. It looks like we're going with the two up top, which has worked, to be fair. Like they didn't get called the SES for no reason. I mean, if they were crap, you're not going to get called the SES. Are you? But it does raise tons of questions and like I've gone, far, we've gone far too deep into it and I've depressed myself. But um. It, it is right. like, And you know what? I, I really hope it's wrong. Because if it's wrong, then Sunderland win games. Brilliant. And, and I'm really happy with how we started. I'm not too downhearted about getting beat off Middlesbrough. Wasn't too downhearted about getting beat off Norwich, nor Sheffield United. My concern is the next few games are tough. And if you lose two of those next three, that steady performance suddenly turns into, oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. And then you're kind of desperate for these players to come back. Um but I guess, I mean, we're kind of like pissing against the wall, aren't we really here? Because ultimately we haven't done it. And, and fingers crossed, um, Speakman or the recruitment team come back in six months time, going, not to worry about man, good team, we just change the shape. I hope that's the case. I've got my concerns by it and that meant and fair enough. Um, I'm allowed them concerns and people are allowed to not, also not be concerned and, and think more positively about that. There's no wrong answer with that, but fingers crossed we can, we can come through it. Um, I think, Dave, I think admittedly, we were always in the game last night, which we sort of said, just going back to the game. But um, it was comfortably our worst performance of the season, I think. And that's not to say we were terrible. We were at points. Um, nothing kind of came off. But it's probably testament to how well we've played in a lot of the games beforehand. It was a weird one because I went on Twitter and was expecting a lot of people to feel a bit like maybe me and be a bit more, um, oh, well, you know, Borough's a good team, yada, yada. They'll probably be there or thereabouts. But it seemed to really split the fan base, the result. Um if Twitter's a barometer, which it shouldn't be probably, but you had some feeling really concerned by the things I've seen and probably a lot of the stuff we just spoke about is where the concern came from. And others pointing at the fact that we played really well in the, I think the seven games previous, which I agree with, and it was just a night off. Which camp are you in, Dave, that kind of, oh crap, let's be really, really worried, uh, worried, sorry, or it was a night off? Uh, I, I think, hey, listen, I'm, I'm not one to tell anyone that their opinion's wrong. But I, I think if you're if you're seeing that there's that there's deep concerns based on that last night, uh, I'm I'm not too sure that you should be reading so much into it. Listen, uh, Pete, I, I saw some tweets. I'm I'm sick of this. We're a young squad and and blah blah. And listen, we are. That's the, that's the be all and end all. We've got players who haven't played in the championship. People like Lugo Nine. The squad depth isn't brilliant, but there's a core nucleus of players there who are going to be able to grow together in the next three or four years. And Adam, I hope exactly what you'd said before with the model of resaleable value and stuff like that. I would hope that as a general rule, let's say 80% of these players are probably not going to get the opportunity to play on a much bigger stage than what we can offer them. Um, especially if we get back to the Premier League with 48,000 fans in there rocking the place every week. So why wouldn't they want to grow with that? Now, don't get me wrong. You get someone like uh, Mishu or uh, a Burnett who turns into a world-beater, absolute superstar, and Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, one of them come knocking and suddenly go right 40 million. That's the model working perfectly. But I'd imagine the amount of players that that's going to happen to is going to be minimal. So I think whenever you're building a squad 
to to go and try, and I've said that this is something I've banged on about for seasons when we're in League One and we're speaking about things. Whenever you're going to build a squad to go and try and compete and challenge towards the top end of the table, the top end of the table rather, you you literally have to keep building them and adding to them. And I think we've got that as a as a general rule, you know. So. I'm still quite excited. I haven't seen, considering we were down to 10 men against Sheffield United, we put in a performance. Okay, the result wasn't great, but we put in a performance. Last night against Borough, okay, let's say, let's be generous and say an hour of it wasn't great. There were still 30 minutes of positives there, I think, which you've got to remember a couple of seasons ago, we were struggling to beat bloody Accrington Stanley. Yeah. So to, to be getting beat 1-0 off Borough, Let's just like reset a little bit and think to ourselves, actually, if that's as bad as it's going to get this season, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't want to get beat five games on the bounce because all your confidence gone and whatever. But I'd like to think we get back to Mil- to Sunderland on, on Saturday, knock Millwall about a little bit, play some good football because the style of football we're trying to play is impressive and and just go again. There's going to be ups and downs, there's no doubt about it, but I still think we'll win more than we lose, if I'm honest. Yeah, I I feel really similar with that. The only only thing I would say in it, to be honest, again, it sounds like I'm being like Officer Doom here, and I probably am being. But um, when you touched on the modelling stuff, there, um, there's another concern that I've banged on about from months on end. Um, that's because it hasn't been sorted from months on end. We're talking about the model and how the model realistically is good young players, and then you sell them at a profit. Who go to a club that you they they want to go to essentially um, until we get back into the Premier League, and then we can start hopefully being one of those top 10 or whatever in the long, 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 long-term goal. Um, the most successful player that we signed in this model is Ross Stewart. So when they work, why are we not protecting that asset and giving them a new contract? But that's by the by. Um, that's a contract. That's a, a question that probably can't be answered, probably because we're not giving them enough money, but there you go. That's nonetheless, it's by the by. Um, one big positive, Brad, um, I want to end on positives because ultimately I'm feeling all right. If I'm honest, I sound like dead defeatist and I'm actually ultimately I'm all right. I've been happy with the seven-ish performances. Um, if you'd given me this amount of points at this point in uh, at the start of the season, would I have took it? Yeah, absolutely. No problem at all. But um one big positive, we've touched on Circle in the past few weeks. We've touched on Roscoe every week since we've signed him pretty much. Um one big positive and a player that we haven't touched on for me, and I think he's been brilliant throughout the campaign. And I thought he was absolutely colossal last night. Danny Bart. Um, I thought he was far and wide our player of the match. And I think, you know, as the weeks go on, he's grown into that role of a real leader for like a young team, which is absolutely vital that we have players like that in a team that has players essentially 24 and under across the park. How impressed have you been by Danny Bart, not just last night, but over the, the first sort of eight games in the championship? Yeah, very impressed. Um, we've mentioned him a couple of times and said, Sort of that experienced head at the back that we needed. It was either going to be him or Bailey Wright. I was happy with either starting the season, to be honest. Um, Danny Barr got the nod and he's kept his place and deservedly so. I'm a, I thought he played okay last night. Um, he did win pretty much all his all his aerial duels, especially. Um, I thought him and Nonai maybe did switch off for the goal. Uh, they got straight through the middle of the pair of them. But if we're talking about centre halves. I think Onai needs another mention as well because I thought last night he didn't really do much wrong. He was comfortable trying to bring it out from the back as well. Um, so, yeah, there is positives. Um, 
and that being it's to be fair, it's been a makeshift defence. We haven't been battered at all, really, have we? Um, at the most we've conceded in the games two. Uh, granted, it's happened a couple of times, but yeah, um, I'd agree with the Danny Bart statement throughout the course of the season, especially. But now he needs to take that leadership skill and whoever comes in and slots in at the left side for Sirkin, which looking when he came off, it was all nine and Bailey Wright will probably get the nod at right centre half if we stay at the three. It's up to Danny Bart to keep his performances up and keep, ultimately keep that back line organised. And I think Danny Bart's leadership, not just on the outfield, I think he's bought Patterson on leaps and bounds as well. Yeah, I thought he was great last night. I, I kind of agree a little bit on the goal, but for me, you stopped the cross, um, which I think goes to, sorry if I'm wrong here, but if my mind serves me right, Lyndon Gucci, probably the only thing he did wrong all night. I thought he had a good, another good game, Gucci. Um, David, another positive for me, um, I've seen one or two people not agree, but I've seen most people agree. I thought Ahmad Diallo looked good. Um, my big worry whenever you get a young player from the likes of Man United and that, and this is called the Adnan, Adnan Yanazai effect, is that they don't give a shit about the club and they're lazy and they don't chase after things. Um, he chased after a lot. He did a lot of pressing. He really sort of went to the goalkeeper, made sure that he was, you know, they were on the toes in, in Borough's defence. And it pushed us forward a little bit. Um, had that chance near the end where he backheeled it. I could see what he was doing. I thought it was actually quite clever, but unfortunately Sims was just not on the same level as him. But I think overall, I was actually really impressed by Diallo. And um, I think he's probably going to offer quite a bit to us this season. I think he's he's going to end up being quite a decent sign in the, in the evidence. Yesterday was good. Were, were you equally as impressed? The attitude seems to be right, um, which is, listen, it's probably nine-tenths of the law when you come to play for Sunderland, isn't it? Make sure you wear your heart and your sleeve, chase it down. I'm sure at one point I saw on the camera actually threw his arms about a little bit and had a bit of a whinge at someone, which is a, which is quite impressive for being there such a short time. Um, so, yeah, the, I think there's definitely something there to work with. It'll be a case of finding his, finding his, um, his best position, where where to play him, what, who to play him with. Are we going to play him as more of a winger, which, as Brad said earlier on, we, we may well have to go to like a 4-2-3-1 type formation, which Diallo might come into his own then. Um, so, yeah... As, as with any kid that you're going to sign from a big club, he's going to be raw. There's going to be frustration with him. But I, I definitely think there's something there to work with. I think um, he must be the first player in history as well to have his own song sang for about 15 minutes straight before he's kicked the ball for the club. Because <laughs> that, 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 that's got to give him a lot of confidence coming on. Um, we've seen him getting warmed up in the whole of the weekends, just singing a new song for him. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I do agree as well. I mean, I'm the opposite one of what Graham said. Um, I think he should have took the shot on himself. If he misses, fine. But he has done the back heel. Sometimes that comes off and we go, wow, brilliant. But, yeah, I was of the one, especially because we were creating very few chances and he was through. Just swing your foot at it. If it, do, if it goes in, it goes in. If not, you might test the keeper. And it could have fell back out at Sims, but... Hey, he's a young kid. He'll learn as well. And I think ultimately that's why he's here um, to learn. And I've got I've got no real issue with players if they they come for the season and they learn their trade. And I think we're going to have to like I spoke about Patterson yesterday, and there's sometimes Patterson does stuff and I panic a bit, but I'm kind of aware that he's he's good enough to be number one. He does more good stuff than bad stuff, but he's he's going through that learning phase where there's going to be one or two things that he's he's having to learn. And um, like I say, overall, like. 
the recruitment model I quite like. I just wish we could tinker it a little bit to have some nice, lovely, experienced 30-year-olds in there as well. Um, but that's by the by. It's not going to happen. If it didn't happen for Alex Neal, it's not going to happen for me. Um, I think going I just in the- wonder if... Uh, sorry, I was just wondering if we've still got that list of free transfers and Zlatan's still on it. Uh, I think he's... Where's he at? Where's he at now? Andy Carroll's on it. No, no. <laughs> No, I mean, no. I looked at that free transfer when I put it in the group earlier, and I think the only person that stands out, and it's just again, it's the romance thing, it's Fraser Campbell. Because if you look at the free agents, if we're going in that market, there was nothing on there. Jerome Singh player has got to be worth another shot, surely. I'm definitely editing this out, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, going into Millwall on, on Saturday, Brad, obviously, it's um, it's a strange one in some ways because if we win, it means we've won four of the first nine with two of those games being like late levelers for Coventry and uh, QPR. But if we lose, it means we've then lost four out of the first nine. If we draw, probably more similar to the, the latter than the, uh, sorry, the former than the latter. How much do you think though, ultimately, not just a Millwall game, these next few games, you know, next few weeks, Watford, Redden, who are in good form, away from home and, and Millwall, will, will kind of show us how the season's going to pan out. I think the Millwall's game is massive, actually, because although people tip Redden to be down the bottom um, come the end, they've actually had a really good start. Brilliant start. Uh, I think the, the sat third, so that's going to be a difficult away day. And Watford, it's a free hit, in my opinion. No one will expect us to get anything. So the Millwall game, I think, rightly or wrongly, or fairly or not, it's massive. Um, in the context of, like you said, it, it defines, obviously, the first nine games of its 3-3-3. Three, three, and three. Off with one four and you know what I mean. So would I take a point now? Probably. <laughs> I've said about every single game, um, and I did say on the the opening uh, show of the season. I think the first ten games is all about the performances for me, and on the whole, the performances have been good, and they are filling me with more confidence. But now we're getting to the ten to twelve game mark where these performances now should be meriting the results. So we need to start. We've played, we've played badly against Bristol City. First half came away with a win. We've played really well and dropped points. These are the ones now where if we are playing well, we need to be taking our chances and starting to win games. And if we play poorly, we look at it and go, hey, we've played well for three games, picked up six, seven points or whatever. We've played poorly. We've lost that one. Dust ourselves down and go again. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna say Millwall is probably the last one where I would say if we play well and we get a, a point, yeah, I'd take it now. And then we really need to start kicking on. Yeah, I, I want to win. Um, I think Redden and Watford's really tough. I'm not 100% sure I'd be happy with a point, but I kind of take the sentiment. But um, as it is, that's kind of that's all we have time for, folks. Um, um, I know the turnaround's quite quick in, in the podcast and stuff. So um, if you're listening to this, the preview will be with you very, very soon. But as always, Brad, thanks for joining me. Dave, lovely to have you back. Lovely to have you back as part of the team. Um, I can now get rid of Ross, which I've been dying to do for ages and ages and ages because I hate Ross. Um, what I would do, don't subscribe to the podcast. Just tell Ross that he's not part of it anymore via the medium of Twitter if you are a fan of What the Folk. If you're not, just don't do anything. Thanks for lasting the half an hour. Um, enjoy the what's left of your week and enjoy the weekend. How are we, the lads? 